I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right. It is episode 67, and we are recording on October 11th, 2022, which is a Tuesday. We've switched to recording on Tuesday nights now because David has a job like a loser. Actually, aren't we Wait, recording Wait, I thought Mondays? we were recording on Monday nights, but uh, we're just doing this one on Tuesday because yesterday was bad for someone. Oh, is that what we're doing? All right, well, That's we're recording Monday nights. But the point is we're recording at night now because David has a job. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Is that good or probably, bad? Well, uh, nothing will probably change for our listeners. Well, well, previously we recorded mid-afternoon, which I affectionately know as nap time. So it's good for me. <laughs> That's true. We did record at nap time. All right. On to feedback. I know everyone has been waiting with bated anticipation for our regularly scheduled David was wrong. So here it is. <laughs> this is from our listener, John Clark who emailed in and said, On the most recent episode, episode 66, when speaking about the Russian referenda, David said port arms had the rifle pointing down and ready to fire. That's actually the low ready position. Port arms is more of a drill and ceremonies thing, and in the port arms position, the rifle points up. A Google image search will provide confirmation. And I did that Google image search, and it did provide confirmation. Yep. Yep, I I did an oopsie here. <laughs> what I'm more interested in is knowing uh, this reader, is John Clark your actual given name or is it your screen name which you stole from the John or uh, Tom Clancy character? All right, well, John Clark, email back and let us know. The people want to know. At least David does. It feels like such a, a small... David was wrong thing that we're almost just looking for reasons for David to be wrong now. I mean, I wasn't looking for it. It literally got emailed to me. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I I, I have no objections to this because if I were listening to our podcast, it's the sort of thing that would annoy me. Okay. <laughs> Probably not to the point of writing an email, but it would annoy me. Yeah, it's gotta it's gotta be pretty bad to motivate me to actually write an email to somebody. All right. On to follow-ups. Um, so that abortion ban we've been talking about, we got a follow-up here from Ohio. Yes, uh, the ACLU and I think various other places, but ACLU is the main one funding it, are um, challenging the ban in court. And in court, and this is Ohio's six-week ban. Yes, th- sorry. This is the ban on any abortions after six weeks in, Obi- uh, in Ohio, except for in cases of entopic pregnancy, mother's life at risk, or uh, bodily damage risk. Uh, yes. The, 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 I don't remember the exact wording on the bodily damage, but it was, you know. Uh, a risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function of oh, the pregnant you. mother. Which is funny because that's the exact same language they use for car accident cases. Huh. You have to have a substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function to collect pain and suffering damages if you elect uh, for the uh, limited tort option ah, on your car insurance. Yeah. Well, but anyway, this is about abortion. Yes, this is about abortion. Um, the, the, it was banned post six weeks, except for in those cases, and they uh, got taken to court uh, immediately. And the judge has imposed a preliminary injunction against that Senate bill, which will be in place for the duration of the case. Uh, the headline uh, says that the court blocks six-week abortion ban indefinitely, I guess, Technically, that's true, but to me, indefinitely sounds very much like forever. And in this case, it's just until the court ends, which or the case ends, which we don't know how long it'll be. So technically, that's indefinitely. Right. This is a preliminary injunction. Um, so the way it works is when you like run to court immediately and ask for something on really short notice, it's you ask you're asking for a temporary restraining order, um, and then you get like a couple of weeks later, they'll hold a hearing after you know regular briefing. And submission of evidence and everything. And that's a much longer uh, temp- a, uh, preliminary injunction, which lasts until the case is decided. Now, it can be revisited at any time if the court wants to. So there's no guarantee. But wow. usually they're in place. Yeah, it probably doesn't want to revisit it for any reason. Probably right? not. Yeah, I mean, he I wouldn't mean, have I granted it. It's true. Well, I, I don't I know. know the judges. Fair enough. 
But Judges are fickle and inscrutable monsters. Yeah, we hate them all. <laughs> um, the, the reasoning behind this is that um, the bill, SB 23, the, is the ban bill, clearly, the judge says, clearly discriminates against pregnant women and places an enormous burden on them to secure safe and effective health care, such that it violates Ohio's Equal Protection and Benefit Clause and is therefore unconstitutional. Uh, that clause states that no federal, state, or local law or rule shall prohibit the purchase or sale of health care or health insurance. No federal, state, or local law or rule shall impose a penalty or fine for the sale or purchase of health care or health insurance. I... I don't know if that's... I mean, I, I'm glad that he made this decision. Uh, this is the way things should be. I think it's a stretch, but I guess just be glad that he's stretching in our direction and not in the opposite direction. Um, I, You know, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say it's um, say it's unconstitutional under equal protection. Okay. Because um, it pretty clearly affects one group and not the other. You mean pregnant women as opposed to everybody else? I mean women and not men. Okay, okay. Um, which is which is what you need for equal protection. It has to be a, a protected class. Okay. Such as women. I just want all of our listenership to appreciate the restraint it took to not make a birthing person's joke right there. <laughs> I <clears throat> Yes, we all appreciate it, David. I think the thing that I find weird is that it presumes the conclusion, which I think is a very good sign for uh, this case going our way, at least if the judge has anything to say about it, because... It, it simply presumes that getting an abortion after six weeks is health care rather than, I don't right. know, murder or whatever. And uh, that's why it's unconstitutional. <laughs> rather than murder. Yeah, or whatever. Health care or murder. Who can say? <laughs> the judge, apparently. Yeah, right? It's what we elect them for. Yeah. So good times there. Happy for the people in Ohio. Yeah, that's good. Uh, all right. Next follow up. Um, so remember last episode, we covered a story about PayPal saying that they could um, keep all your money if they don't like your political opinions. Um, apparently, they're walking that back a bit. They, yeah, apparently that was an accident. It accidentally got in the terms of use agreement update. Uh, they didn't They didn't really mean to put it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, if you believe that, oopsie. I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> they just wanted to see if they could get away with it. Yeah. Oops, I accidentally put this clause in the contract that says I can keep all your money. Ah, yeah. uh, let me just... Oh, you, you saw that, did you? Let me just take that out. <laughs> I don't know how that got in there. Oh, well, jeez. Oh, whoa. Well, yeah, right. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have let my uh, my secretary type this one up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, PayPal. So, yeah, don't use PayPal. Don't use PayPal. Uh, or, like, fine, use PayPal, but don't don't rely on PayPal. PayPal is, is the Ohio we... payment services now. <laughs> right. All right. On to the new news, which there isn't that much of. No. Uh, I think it's because we're, we're on a short episode, and uh, there's not that much happened in it's, the past couple weeks. It's not that short. It's not that short. But we got a few stories for you. All right. So we're starting with one from David about Tornado Cash. Yeah, so this one is a couple of months old at this point, but we didn't talk about it when it was actually happening, and we're kind of on the uh, um, right-to-transact beat now. So we're circling back to it, because, as Wes mentioned, slow Fortnite. A couple of months ago, the U.S. Treasury Department banned math, uh, by which I mean they... Um, declared a specific Ethereum address, uh, to, uh, be under sanctions, uh, including criminal charges for anyone who sends or receives money, uh, from said address. Um, so essentially what this address does is it's like the, it's basically the cryptocurrency equivalent of Tor, Uh, You basically send money to this address saying, hey, uh, slosh this around and then send this money to this other address after you've sloshed it around. And essentially what this lets you do is um, you... So with cryptocurrencies, everything is pseudonymous, but everything is also recorded. So you... uh, know what address is doing stuff you just don't necessarily know what person that address corresponds to what tornado cash did 
was it let people anonymize those transactions. So you wouldn't even know uh, what, what address was sending the money. So this was actually fulfilling one of the big early hopes of cryptocurrency, uh, which was that you could do things like, you know, buy drugs without getting persecuted. Um, Boo! uh, (laughs) Yes, which, of course, we are against. Um, So, uh, yeah, the U.S. Treasury Department sanctioned this uh, Ether uh, address. And the rules as written, as of the last time I read anything about this, which I admit was a while ago, didn't actually include any exemptions for people who were sent money from Tornado Cash without their knowledge and or consent. Uh, So I know that several people uh, who were, like, prominent in the crypto space did uh, essentially get swatted uh, but are the digital equivalent thereof from people sending them money via Tornado Cash um, just from their, because uh, they had their uh, Ethereum wallet key publicly uh, published, and so people sent them money from this sanctioned account, and I think they actually did experience some consequences for this from the Treasury Department, despite the fact that it was just some internet asshole doing mean things to them and not something they actually had a positive hand in. So then everyone just started sending politicians money from Tornado Cash, right? I don't know of any politicians that have publicly published ETH addresses, but that would be justice if they had done so. Well, that sucks. That does suck. Way to make everything worse. How do people that are getting money from somebody else know that it came from, you know, that person? If you, they send it through the the Tornado Cash, since it just comes from an anonymized t- Tornado Cash thing. Well, they don't. Oh, they, they know yeah, you're sending money into Tornado Cash, and they know who's receiving money out of Tornado Cash. No, no, no. But the person who is selling the product, when they get, you know, $1,000 in their account, how did they know that it came from you and not, you know, me? So that the drugs go to you and not me. You, like, write them a letter and saying, hey, I just sent you some very specific uh, number of Tornado Cash. Please send the drugs to such and such street address. Yeah, fair enough. Because for whatever reason, snail mail letters are better protected by uh, the Fourth Amendment than other stuff, because our government is bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, On that note... Let's move on to other bad governments and talk about Ukraine. Uh, David, what's going on in Ukraine? Or Ineash, or anyone who isn't me. Uh, I, I put the first one up there, so the Crimean Bridge okay. got blowed up. What's the Crimean Bridge? It, it's the bridge to Crimea. Where, Is uh, there only one? Yes, there's only one. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, from Russia. They were sending all sorts of logistics and stuff uh, to Crimea over that bridge. And um, then they couldn't for a while because it got blowed up. And I hear it's all better now. Well, not all better, oh, but there totally better. is only one. I'm looking at the map. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was quite the the morale boost for the Ukrainian forces. And uh, the Russians said no. It was. It was some random terrorists with a truck bomb. Yeah, totally. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Ukraine. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, that was that was really cool for a while. That that was down, and uh, Crimea was isolated, and that is what we like to see. Wait, is it not still down? I think they managed to... Because it looked like it was really fucked up. I believe they managed to get, like, it working a little bit. Did they just, like, put some plywood over the <laughs> gap? I mean, I don't know. Hold on, let me see. I guess I should have looked at it. I just heard that it was working again recently. <laughs> yeah. So so what they what whoever did this did was actually uh quite smart. They uh so there's two bridges. There's the road bridge and then there's a train bridge right next to each other. And they set off a bomb on the road bridge while a uh cargo train was carrying fuel next to uh next to it on the train bridge, so they put a big ol' hole into the uh, road bridge while also stopping a train and setting it on fire on the train bridge. So uh, this was a really 
really cool economy of um, doing stuff. Here we go. Uh, the uh, economy of action. That's a word. The according to Russia, the traffic has been fully restored on the train bridge part. Okay, yeah, that that's not surprising because it was just a burning train on it, not a giant hole. Okay, and probably a damaged pylon or two. Ah, well, it's too bad they couldn't get the rail because that's more important for uh, stopping stuff getting to the army. I wouldn't know. All right, David, what else is going on? Uh, yeah, so. Uh, bad news. In apparent retaliation for the attack on the Crimean Bridge, uh, Kiev and several other Ukrainian cities, I think, but I only heard about uh, Kiev for sure, uh, did come under long-range missile attacks in apparent retaliation. I already said that. Um, Wes, please delete that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm glad I'm we got in our one this time, this episode. Um, uh, yeah, so this included several uh, missiles which hit very close to the, um, I think they call it the Presidential Palace, the, 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 the equivalent of their White House. Um, there was some worry for a while about whether Zelensky had made it out, uh, but I... I'm pretty sure we figured out that they did not actually hit the palace itself, and so he seems he's probably fine. But yeah, this was bad. Um, Russia just straight up launched uh, not strategic weapons, but um, uh, launched munitions at a entirely civilian target because they were mad. Yeah. So cool, Russia. Yeah. Whereby cool, we mean you know the opposite of that. Man, they're being very unchill about this whole thing. They really are. There was also a worry for a while there that they were transporting nuclear devices on trains towards Russia, but that turned out to be a nothing burger, so I'm not sure what exactly happened there. But I, I keep hearing everyone worried that they're going to start using tactical nukes. Uh, is there a reason people are worried about this, or is this just the media being alarmist as usual? So... Okay, so the reasons people think that are, A, Putin's speech where he said, like, we'll use any means necessary, and B, just, like, if you look at the war in isolation without considering any of the broader diplomatic implications, that would be, like, what you would do in order to win if you were Putin. Uh, whether or not he's going to actually decide that... Uh, reversing the Ukrainians' uh, advances and um, starting to get some of their own back is worth, you know, becoming an international pariah, being guaranteed to be hunted wherever he goes, etc., etc., is worth that. Time will tell, but so far the answer seems to be no. All right. And we got some uh, rumblings coming out of Belarus. Yeah, so um, Putin's favorite bitch, um, the president of Belarus, has talked about how uh, with Russia partially mobilizing, they are considering uh, joining in on the fun, so to speak. Uh, this basically just means that Belarusians are going to be the next round of cannon fodder now that the flow of... Um, DPR and LNR uh, conscripts has been cut off by the DPR and LNR being retaken by the Ukrainians. So that's not good if you're living in Belarus. Um, speaking about the you know, random bombings uh, to cause terror, didn't, I mean, we realize that doesn't work in World War II, right? Did Russia not get the memo that this just kills innocent people and makes the population even more uh, resolute and pissed off and... I don't know, maybe it feels good for you, but don't fucking do it, you goddamn war criminal. I don't think he was either trying to um, to uh, attack Ukrainian morale, nor was he attacking their industrial infrastructure, which at least in theory was the idea in World War II. He just got his feelings hurt when the bridge blowed up and worked out those hurt feelings by bombing civilians. I mean, sometimes in World War II, it was just straight terror. Then when the Germans launched the uh, the suicide rockets over uh, to to uh, on Britain, that was just you know unguided random rocket shots into their cities. Yeah, that's true. 
So, I, I, I mean, I, I remember that was a thing they thought would help to demoralize the population, but, you know, do, why, what, does he have any excuse here? It, it, it seems like he's just trying to be as evil as he possibly can. Okay, silence, I'm assuming he's just evil. <laughs> well, it sounds like no. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, I, so if he has, if Putin's tried to justify these attacks, I haven't heard of it. But I'm not entirely sure I would have if he had, so I don't want to say no, he hasn't, uh, but I am unaware of it. Yeah, well. All right. Well, uh, let's move on from Ukraine and Belarus and down to Taiwan. Uh, it's more David, what's going on over in Taiwan? to Taiwan. Well, I guess it is also down. It's um, down. Yeah, Ukrainians fairly far <laughs> north. Um so, yeah, uh, the Taiwanese Ministry of Defense has clarified uh, to the uh, CCP, uh, not directly to them, but, you know, who else would it be, that they do consider airspace incursions to be violations on Taiwanese sovereignty and that they will respond with appropriate force uh, if said violations are uh, being done by military aircraft. That sounds like a weird thing to need to be uh, clarified. Yeah, it. so it definitely is, but it's it's China's fault because they have been violating Taiwanese airspace and then saying like, oh, well, we're not, we're not touching you. We're just <laughs> like, ba basically, they're doing the thing that kids do in the backseat of the car where I'm not touching him. I'm just like sticking my hands in his face an inch away from him and so on. I'm just swinging my arms and walking forward. <laughs> yes. If you happen to stand in the way, well, that's on you, really. Yeah. The island should get out from under our military. <laughs> uh, so this is bad, you think? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not good if you don't want there to be a war in the Formosa Strait. Mm, don't want that. Yeah, I'm... I think I'm on the record in this podcast saying I'm. I think that if China were to try to invade Taiwan, they would get their clocks cleaned. Um, but yeah, I'd rather not have a war. Thank you, or another another war, I suppose. Wars are generally pretty and darn bad. Where's the war gonna be? The the what Strait? Formosa Strait. Formosa. Uh, yeah, Formosa was the uh, colonial name of Taiwan when it was Portuguese and. Uh, when the Japanese reconquered it, um, or conquered it in World War II, they gave it an Asian name again, uh, but the body of water near it, uh, kept the colonial name. Well, I'm going, uh, with Google Maps. It says Taiwan Street. Huh. Okay. And I got no hits for a Formosa Street, so I don't know what's going on with the world. Maybe they changed it last week. Maybe they did. Uh, all right. Next, we're not going to be talking about uh, any foreign countries that are involved in or could be involved in wars. Um, this is actually good news, I, I, I guess you'd call. Is that actually news? Yeah, I dispute that this is news. I am on the record as saying that this is a troop deployment. All right. Objection noted. So <laughs> here's here's the thing that's not actually news, but is is happening. Um, hurricanes are decreasing in number and intensity. Um, and we have a uh, Substack post up about it that kind of lays out all the evidence for that that we'll link in the show notes by Michael Schellenberger. Um, and it, uh, I found it pretty convincing. Um, and yeah, we got fewer hurricanes and the hurricanes are less intense than than in the past. I would call that news because that is like news to me. I thought the opposite was true. It was definitely news to me. I also thought the opposite was true um, because that's what everyone's been yelling for two decades now. Well, at least for this this year. So when everyone is yelling something, I tend to believe the opposite. <laughs> and this is why. You are a brilliant man, and I wish yeah. I had your insight. All right. All right. Let's not go with the uh, reverse stupidity is not intelligence right now. <laughs> Um, all right. <laughs> An Inconvenient Truth came out in 2006. So 16 years they've been yelling about it. But 
That wasn't a claim and inconvenient truth, was it? That hurricane. Yeah, there's a hurricane right on the yeah. cover. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was a hurricane. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Maybe I did know it was a hurricane then, and I just forgot what it looks like. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's I, a smokestack, and out of the smokestack is coming a hurricane. I, I had heard personally that, you know, well, climate change is making things weird and different, and we can't attribute any particular hurricane to anything. And it wasn't until this year that I really started hearing uh, hurricanes are getting more numerous and more intense because of climate change. Um so, you know. Yeah. I Well, so in 2006, yeah. I heard that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's been – it's definitely been the past few years. Every time there's a hurricane, people are like, see, climate change. Yeah. And it turns out that's the opposite of true. The, the, yeah. the hurricanes are actually decreasing both in number and in intensity. And the really interesting part about all this is – I mean, that's, that's news, and we know why it's news. But um, the, uh, the people that are telling us that um, – things are getting worse because of climate change know that it's not true because that information comes directly from uh noaa which is the the united states government's national oceanic and atmospheric administration uh they everywhere where they have graphs they put disclaimers on the bottom saying uh you know hurricanes are decreasing in strength and intensity uh the there's no way you can look at anything that the official government sources say and not know that that is the case and when people just take some of the actual graphs that they have on the NOAA site and say the exact opposite um it's just flat out lying for political purpose and that really i want to say it really offends me because i don't know what else to say at this point like i i used to believe that i could at least trust Things as basic as when they go to the government research site, they will not say the exact opposite of what the government research site says, you know? That's like just a basic bare level of not being complete utter liars that I thought I could trust the uh, media with, and I guess I can't. And that's can't. Yeah. Uh, I, so the part of this post I found the most interesting... Uh, which, again, I already believed that hurricanes were uh, getting less frequent and less intense because people were yelling the opposite. Um, no, I'm not going to shut up about that. Um, but yeah, the part I found, mo- found most interesting was the his account of several times that he like confronted these big-name climate journalists with these results from the government research people. Um, the ones with a very nominate, um, nominatively deterministic name, um, and they just, like, cut contact or, uh, otherwise did not respond well to being confronted with this data. Um, that I thought was really interesting and not a good comment on the state of journalism. Yeah, I also found interesting sort of his explanation for how people can kind of say true things and make it sound like hurricanes are getting worse because they are getting more destructive. Um, and that is because coastal areas are more getting more developed. Yeah. So there's, there's more, more stuff, stuff to destroy. Yeah. So they're actually it, doing more damage than they did in the past. So you could make a graph showing like, oh, here's the amount of, you know, damage in dollars that uh, hurricanes cr- cause. Then the graph will be going up. But that's just because there's tons more stuff in the path of hurricanes now. Do you guys want to hear why that's the government's fault? What, which part? I, is it zoning? Uh, uh, no, actually. It's, um... Oh, so, the, the insurance thing. Yeah, the insurance thing. Oh, that too, thing. yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you don't know, um, there is a government program for subsidizing flood and disaster insurance. Uh, because otherwise some... Uh, parts of the country that are currently inhabited would be pretty close to uninhabitable because they very regularly get wrecked by hurricanes or floods. What this actually cashes out to in practice, though, is people just build stuff in floodplains and hurricane zones, whatever you call those, and they, like, don't... I think you call them Florida. (laughs) Yes, uh, and they don't put a lot of effort into uh, weatherproofing them because they don't need to because they're getting ridiculously cheap insurance rates at the expense of American taxpayers. And then they're getting disaster relief to help them rebuild after 
these natural disasters come through. Yeah. Quote unquote natural, because, you know, the the thing that is making these disasters so disastrous is bad government policy, not the weather. Well, it's literally cheaper to rebuild the house than it is to make a house that can survive the weather because somebody else is paying the bill to rebuild the house. Yep. So Well, yeah. cool. Did you hear read the part about uh how it's um the the act was originally passed to make it um reasonable to build buildings in areas that are uh, often prone to riots? No. I think I vaguely remember hearing something like that. That was a major contributing factor to the initial bill being passed so that people could get insurance in places where there is frequent riots and specifically like inner cities. That seems weird that a, a thing for riots get used, gets used for hurricanes. Now it gets well, used for any of, place where there's... Yeah, both of them destroy buildings. Yeah. Sure, but like, usually flood insurance is its own thing. You can't just get like general building getting destroyed insurance. Uh, isn't that what homeowner's insurance is? No, I have I homeowner's insurance and I had to buy separate flood insurance. Huh. Yeah, the things you know when you own a house. Yeah. All right, moving on. David has a couple more stories for us. Um, this one's also basically a uh, troop deployment, but we'll let you get away with it for this week. Yeah, the the report is new. Uh, so the U.S. Energy Information Administration has figured out what's going w- wrong with ERCOT, the uh, Texas electric grid that uh, people keep on blaming capitalism every time it fails because it's moderately more privatized than other electricity grids. Hey, guess what? It's not capitalism. It's actually renewables breaking ERCOT. Um <laughs> So uh, this is a story where I would really encourage you to click through to our source. Uh, It's just a link to the uh, EIA report. And right at the top of that page, there's a graph where a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, It's essentially showing um, Texas electricity prices on uh, hot and windy days versus cool and windy days versus uh, hot and still days versus cool and still days. Um, Because essentially this uh, temperature is used as a very reliable proxy for energy demand here uh, because most energy consumption in Texas is for air conditioning. And it's it's just one of those... um, graphs that in the biz we say is subject to optical analysis you you just look at it and it's obvious that the driving factor is um is uh how windy it is uh yeah so texas gets about a quarter of its its energy from wind right yeah texas had significant peak load growth in recent years and significantly increased its wind generation from 9% of the generation mix in 2011 to 24% in 2021. I believe it is the greenest uh, place in the country in terms of energy generation. Mm -hmm. So, but like, isn't this just saying when there's no wind, energy is more expensive because there's no wind energy? Yeah, so the really telling part of the graph is uh, the base case, which is when it is windy and... Um, and cool. So, uh-huh. uh, energy prices are at their lowest yeah. is, uh, a flat line. The high peak case, which is hot, hot and windy is basically indistinguishable from the peak case. The really big spikes are in the low wind case, um, which is the, uh, cool and still case. And the extreme case, which is the hot and still case. And that's where you see really big spikes relative to the high peak demand case, uh, where it's hot and windy, uh, which is very strong evidence, in my opinion, that uh, energy price fluctuations in Texas are being driven by supply, e.g., or or, uh, i.e., weather the energy is actually being generated by the wind blowing rather than demand. So you said there's something wrong with um, their their energy grid. All this seems like exactly what you would expect. What's what's the problem? I mean, do you remember when their grid crashed because uh, the, they had that huge cold front that no one was expecting? I do remember that, yeah. 
Yeah, so that was um, that that was not strictly speaking related to this. It was a different problem with renewables because all of their windmills froze. Um, but Wait, yeah, I, uh, I'm confused. Did you say that the low wind case is indistinguishable from the extreme case? No, the high demand, high wind case is yeah. indistinguishable from the um, from the low temperature, high wind case. Oh, okay. I don't see that on this graph. Is there? A, uh, yeah, a that's one? because. Okay, so you see the pale blue line at the bottom that's going underneath the two big mountains. Yeah. Okay, so underneath that blue line, there's a gold line. You can see like right, that's two the base pixels case. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the so the gold oh, line. Oh no, is I see what you're saying. Case. Yeah. So the the yeah the high demand case is the same as the base case basically. More or less, yeah. Okay, and the, like, super spikes are all just low wind days. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I would not, I mean, I do not need extraordinary evidence to be convinced that a place with a quarter of its, uh, a quarter of its electricity being generated by wind has, a uh, much more expensive electricity when there's no wind. It seems like what you'd expect. I agree, but people who are fanatical about renewables tend to be fairly resistant to you know common sense <laughs> all are right they, are they investing in more batteries or something i mean if they were if they are even remotely smart and are determined to keep on building renewables that's what they should be doing or they could just you know build nuclear <laughs> all right david well thank you for continuing your quixotic quest to almost literally tilted windmills <laughs> it is not quixotic there are dozens of us dozens <laughs> <laughs> all right and another story uh this time from well from the u.s but about saudi arabia yeah so this this one i didn't want like, I don't have that much to say about because it's very much a developing story. Uh, but the U.S. is getting into a slap fight with OPEC and Saudi Arabia in particular. Um, what has happened... So, so the story so far uh, is Biden went to OPEC to ask them to increase production. OPEC said, not only are we not going to do that, we're going to decrease production and raise prices. Biden, kind of a dick move. Yes. Biden has gotten really angry about this and has promised to do something. What that something is, is to be determined. Ah, um, sternly worded letter then. Possibly, or uh, there was a there was a, a bill with a, one of those too clever by half backronym names, but I kind of liked this one. Let me see if I can look it up. Um, yeah, so this one uh, this one was good because it was a dunk against OPEC um, instead of just like being the Patriot Act or something. Was it like NOPEC? That. Yes, it's NOPEC, the no <laughs> oh, nice. oil, the no <laughs> oil producing and exporting cartels act. Hmm. Nice. Oh man, I said that as a joke. I never thought they'd do <laughs> something that dumb. <laughs> uh, that's not gonna pass, right? Uh let's see. There's um, no way they're getting sixty votes for that. Because I mean, the real reason Biden's pissed off about this, and the whole reason uh, Saudi Arabia is doing it, is to screw the Democrats, right? Yeah, so here's my thinking for why this might actually have legs. The Democrats want it passed because they want to hit back at Saudi Arabia for screwing them over before the midterms. But the Republicans are fairly widely, and I hope this isn't controversial to say at this point, backed by U.S. fossil fuel interests, and they don't much care for OPEC either. So... Mm. I, I'm gonna call it a strong maybe at this point. Um, essentially, right. what the essentially what this bill would do is, um, um, it would uh, essentially incorporate U.S. antitrust law against uh, international um, state-run oil companies, and that would make them make essentially OPEC susceptible to uh, the Sherman Antitrust Act. 
I think you guys have way too much of a U.S.-centric view on this thing. Like, trying to figure out whether it's Republicans or Democrats are trying to screw or whatever. It's like, the they really hate the Western world over there. And uh -huh. the entire Western world is suffering from uh, an energy crisis right now. And this is just a wonderful way to, like, really put the screws on that and uh, make the Western world hurt more. Like, it, it doesn't have anything to do about the U.S. in specific. They, uh, they just... I think it does have something to do with the U.S. in specific. It might not have anything to do with the Democrats in specific, but that's certainly how the Democrats are perceiving it, so... I mean, this is going to hurt Europe more than it hurts the U.S. I mean, yes, that's true, but it's going to hurt the U.S. a non-zero amount. I don't think you have to have, like, a skewed perspective to think that OPEC might want to fuck with the Democrats in particular. Why is that? Because, the, I mean, Biden was just over there trying to negotiate with them. Yeah. Um, it's not, it doesn't seem that weird they'd want to screw him over. Uh, but also, like, it's pretty, you know, the, the Republican administrations are better for oil interests. Saudi oil interests, though? Yeah. All right. And look, and look if anyone, you know, does anything uh, against Saudi Arabia, it's going to be the Democrats. They're the only ones howling about, you know, Khashoggi and how we should stop uh, doing business with these, you know, brutal dictators. Yeah, the right I, doesn't care. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, just because, like, the right's not si um, not uh, singling out Saudi Arabia, but, like, Trump was the, you know, maybe we should reconsider being the world's policeman thing. And part of that is giving Saudi Arabia a bunch of military hardware to suppress their uh, own population. Sure. But, like, I think in the same way that it was pretty clear Russia wanted Republicans and not Democrats, that Saudi Arabia probably wants Republicans and not Democrats, too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not super confident about that. Like, if I had to bet... I would definitely bet on Saudi Arabia liking the Democrats less, but I wouldn't be super confident about it. I mean, if I was an enemy of America, I would definitely want the Republicans in charge. Well, of course you think that. You like the blue team. <laughs> I mean, let's say I, I hate the blue team less than the red team. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, anyway... That takes us to happy news. Good news, Yay. everyone. And we're starting off with some happy gun news, apparently. <laughs> yes. Um, one that is actually genuinely happy and one that made me happy, even if it doesn't have the happiest ending. So the first is uh, in the wake of uh, Nyserpa versus Bruin, the most recent Supreme Court case about... Um, uh, guns, guns and why gun control is unconstitutional. Uh, after that ruling came down, New York went kind of apeshit and passed a bunch of laws, like including some that very specifically were called out in the Bruin decision as things they couldn't do. Uh, and there is now another New York state... Uh, or New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, uh, making its way through the courts, challenging those laws. And those laws have been enjoined by a federal court uh, on the grounds that, you know, the Bruin decision literally said things like, now you can't just... So we're letting you keep your sensitive areas where you can't where you can ban guns, but you can't just, like, declare all of Manhattan to be a sensitive area. So what New York State did was they declared, like, half of Manhattan to be a sensitive area and expected <laughs> to get away with it. And this That's federal court is saying, no, you can't do that. All right. And what's the other happy gun news? Uh, so the other happy news is a... Uh, so there was this couple that... Um, they're, they're flippers, they, like, buy, um, storage units that are being auctioned off and military Ooh. surplus and that oh, sort David, of thing. Oh, David, this is great, because, um, Eniash didn't get us a human interest story this week. <laughs> so, so now you've got one for us. Yes, I do. Right. Uh, so, yeah, they, they bought, um, they buy, like, storage containers and, um, and uh, military surplus and so on, and then resell it um, at a profit. And 
this particular couple uh, bought several uh, rifle crates that, in theory, should not have any rifles in them. They're just very sturdy boxes. Uh, except someone somewhere along the way made a very big oopsie-daisy and surplused some rifle crates that were still full of select-fire M16s. Hey! Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, th- these are like the actual issued-to-US soldiers capable of fully automatic fire, uh, if I remember right, actual Vietnam-era M16s with the triangular handguards and everything. Um, unfortunately, this story does have a rather sad ending. They, uh, reported this to the police like they should have, and the FBI and ATF came and took the guns away. Boo! Yeah. I, I, I also heard that they kind of ransacked the people's houses, or the people's house, uh, I wasn't rude. able to substantiate that, um, but it does kind of sound like the thing that they might do. And it well, would... they probably just do it reflexively. Yeah, probably. Like they were invited in, and they came in, and then they just like, oh, there's a, a cupboard. Everybody, <laughs> grab it, and just start rifling through everything. It's just, you know, it's just instinct at that point. Yeah. All right. Next happy news. Uh, but. Joe Biden has decided to pardon everyone for weed possession. Um, He's asking all the state governors to do the same thing. And he's starting the process to reschedule marijuana so it's not a Schedule 1 drug anymore. Fuck yeah. Um, Now, there's not actually anyone in jail right now on federal weed possession charges. Um, But there are, I think there are people on probation for it. So those are people are getting pardoned. Doesn't the pardon also wipe it out of your record so it won't come up if anyone does a search on you? Criminal um, background check? I th- yeah. I don't know. Yes, it does. Okay. I uh, he's always like retroactively pardoning everyone who has it on their record. So so what I don't know is whether or not he is doing that. Okay. Um if he if he were to do that, then that would wipe out the criminal records. I yes. don't know if he's doing it though. Correct. Um the real exciting part is the rescheduling. Um, which is hasn't happened yet, obviously, but this is step one, and it's probably within his power to get it done because it's not actually in the act of Congress which drugs are under which schedule. That's like, uh, I forget which executive agency, but it's one of them. Determines isn't, it that. The, um, isn't the uh, the FDA? No, the DEA uh, is just the enforcement yeah, branch. No, it probably is the ah. FDA. So uh, we'll look forward to that in 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) We were going to make the exact same joke. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is uh, this is this is what he can do. Yeah. So it so has he actually like done the thing? Because I saw he quote about it. But oh no, I just Googled it. It is the DEA. Huh. That's weird. That is weird. Well, they're the ones that have the incentive to make it as illegal as possible. If yeah, it was the so. FDA, maybe it would have been changed long ago. Um, <laughs> well, uh, that, that's maybe. implying that the, the FDA, FDA would have been anything. put in process long ago. Uh, there we go. They'd still be uh, running tests. Yeah. But yeah, so, yeah, that's great. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hopefully, a bunch of you know blue state governors will probably listen and and issue pardons as well. I'm sure red state governors won't. Yeah. Because that's the world we live in. But hey, good, 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 good going, Joe. Yeah. I guess red states are just so, allowed to make anything, any substance legal, right? Like they could theoretically yeah. make a alcohol illegal in their state if they wanted to. Yep. Yes. You okay. know, like Pennsylvania does. Does it? Don't you live in Pennsylvania? No, I live in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Well, I mean. And Pennsylvania doesn't actually make alcohol illegal, but they have a bunch of really restrictive laws about it. In uh, fairness, you could stand outside Wes's house and then throw a rock that would land in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you but... couldn't get a rock all the way across that river. Maybe David couldn't, but <laughs> bet you someone could. There was a guy who recently won the uh, stone skipping comp, uh, set new record for stone skipping at, I think, 82 skips. 82 skips. Yeah. That's a lot of skips. His wife literally left him because I guess he spent so much time <laughs> skipping stones that she was like, fuck this. Uh, well, now he's going to have a good use for that really strong right hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right. Next happy news. We got some nuclear news from David. Yeah. So um, Ontario is the host to uh, several quite cool nuclear power plants. And one of them in particular, Pickering, was scheduled for decommissioning because that's the thing we're doing as a civilization. (laughs) And they have decided not to do this terrible thing. Um, what? Yeah, so uh, Pickering is a really neat old uh, nuclear power plant. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Ontario has actually completely decarbonized its grid, uh, largely using a combination of hydro and nuclear. Um, And uh, Pickering was an essential part of that. Uh, it's also provided a really good framework for how to do um, what people are calling a just transition, which I, I absolutely detest that phrase, but that's a different argument for a different day. Essentially, what they did was... No, no, the it's, people... it's, it's not just transition. It's, hey, just transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so all the people who worked in the old coal plants that got shut down... Uh, they were essentially given priority for retraining to work jobs at the nuclear plants that were opening, and uh, Pickering was one of the plants that led the way uh, in that initiative. So it's a really good part of the history of nuclear power, and it's also, you know, quite a uh, powerful working, producing power station during something of an energy crisis that's not getting shut down so good job ontario you're the the second to yeah you're the well no no the yukon's pretty cool too (laughs) you're you're the third best canadian territory good job david i love how the closest you ever come to praising governments is like, they were going to do this thing that was really stupid, but decided not to. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if governments ever did anything good, I would praise them, but that's well, the maybe they will. Get. They do some good things. They might do a good thing, which is our next happy news. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, I mean, this is also kind of just like, it's in the similar vein of, like, government deciding not to do a stupid thing that government was doing. Anyway... Uh, House Republicans have introduced a bill to delay payment of startups' uh, nuclear regulatory commission bills until after the conclusion of the NRC's review process. Um, the Nuclear Regulatory uh, Commission is the reason why it's impossible to build nuclear power plants. It's basically death by testing and fees, um, and they, they make quite a bit of their money from uh, collecting these fees that people have to pay them before they actually give a thumbs up or thumbs down to their plant designs. So they have no reason not to just, you know, take the money and run. And this bill would basically say uh, for for companies with, I want to say it's less than 700 employees, um, uh, this bill would say, okay, the... They still need to pay the NRC, but, um, sorry, 750 employees. Uh, they still need to pay the NRC, but they don't need to do it until after the NRC gives them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And, uh, this is not clear from my source, but hopefully they wrote it in such a way that they aren't on the hook if the NRC gives them the thumbs down, which might actually help us, you know, get stuff built, because if we didn't get stuff built, then these fuckers wouldn't get paid. So hopefully they wrote that in the smart way. And also, this bill does not have a sexy backronym uh, associated with its name. Um, It's just, uh, let me see, Uh, the Nuclear Assistance for America's Small Businesses Act. Uh, the NAASBA, and that makes me hopeful that it will make its way through secret Congress without becoming a big culture war issue. I do love this because it shows an understanding that the the one thing that motivates regulatory agencies is perpetuating their own funding. <laughs> so they're like, okay, here's how you get your funding. Finish your job. 
why is this capped at um you know small small companies why don't all companies you know not have to pay the fee until they actually otherwise get it's yes a no. giveaway to big business Eniash. yeah <laughs> Um, more seriously, I think that's actually a good sign because it, it probably shows they actually want to get it passed. Yeah. And are not uh, just posturing. Okay. Yeah. I, I assume if there was potential for big companies to uh, benefit from this, then the lobbyists would get involved. And I am convinced that the main purpose of lobbyists nowadays is not to get stuff passed. Uh, it's to get things that are trying to go through secret Congress out of secret Congress. Mm. Um, and they were trying to avoid that. Okay. All are right. We, are we ruining this by reporting on it if, when it's trying to be in quote unquote secret Congress? My thinking is no, because our listenership is very small. Hmm. But loyal and dedicated and extremely attractive. Ah, but also influential. So listeners... Don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> I mean, it kind of seems like you should never say good news about things uh, that the government is doing if you believe in the secret Congress. I mean, yeah, but we're <laughs> not responsible. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. That defense yes, always works. We, we are torpedoing the country for clicks. Yeah. yeah. Like other journalists. Oh, how quickly we became the monsters. <laughs> All right, and that takes us to troop deployments. So I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield each episode. And we will start with David. Yeah, so I don't have much for this Fortnite, uh, but I have started a new series of uh, sort of pulp sci-fi books called the Expeditionary Force Series. Um, essentially the idea is Earth gets invaded by an alien species and then another alien species shows up and drives off the first species and, uh... No, that's just three worlds collide. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. this is a, um... This is an allegory that the characters in the book put forward. Uh, humanity essentially ends up as, um, uh, native North Africans during Operation Torch, the, uh, big battle between the Axis and Allies during World War II in North Africa, and um, we as a species have no idea what's going on and are just kind of frantically trying to make alliances of opportunity when and where we can to survive, and there's a snarky AI, and uh, it's it's quite good for, uh, uh, it's fairly light reading, but it's very fun. Awesome. All right, sweet. Eniash, what have you got for us? Well, this isn't really a news story because nothing happened, but it was so delightful that I wanted to share it anyway, so it is in my troop deployments. The Onion filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court by The Onion. And it's so good. Uh, yes, I do mean the parody newspaper that has been around for decades now. I don't even know how long. Uh but uh, what happened was that Anthony Novak in 2016 created a Facebook page that parodied his local parodied his local police department. Uh, included posts making fun of that police department. Uh, in retaliation, Novak was charged with a felony under Ohio law and spent four nights in jail. Uh, Novak has filed a civil rights lawsuit in, in uh, return for this, but the sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said uh, that the officers have qualified immunity because. I guess you can just do anything if you're a police officer. Uh, Anyways, uh, Novak's attorneys have filed an appeal with the Supreme Court to reverse that decision because it's bullshit that police can do absolutely anything, including arresting people, running parody accounts, making fun of them. And The Onion's amicus brief is aimed at convincing the Supreme Court to pick up the case. It's really funny. You should read it. Uh, They... they express dismay and outrage that uh, their business model is being attacked because they don't want to go to jail for doing the parody news and it's it's just it's a great read it's only like three pages long and honestly you'd want to read a long onion article anyway and this is basically a long onion article except like real as has been more and more the case in recent decades it's so good yeah go read it all right thank you eni ash no problem uh, my troop deployment this week, I was going to do some kind of political thing where I rant about something that matters, but instead, I'm going to talk about how Philadelphia sports rule. No. Yeah. Denver the for the Philadelphia win. Philadelphia Eagles. 
have are five and zero. That's five wins, zero losses. They're the last undefeated team in the league. They're number one. Their quarterback is playing lights out. The defense is killing it, and they're playing the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday night. And they're going to kick their asses. Go Eagles! Sweet. Also, the Philadelphia Phillies are in the National <laughs> League Division Series and just won Game One after defeating the Cardinals last weekend, two two games to nothing. That's right. The Eagles and the Phillies both kicked the ass of a team named the Cardinals. It was awesome. Uh, so go Eagles, go Phillies. Huzzah. I love All right, the and that's our show. Uh, please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Stubstep. Subscribe <laughs> on Substack. You'll get episodes early, you'll get access to bonus episodes, and you'll get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel. And come back in two weeks, same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.